Once again, Brent is out, and I get the opportunity to do the Sunday morning uh, service. I hope that uh, what I have to say is encouraging to you, as it's been encouraging to me as I've studied. Uh, We're here together this morning to encourage one another to love and good works, and I think uh, the men this morning have done a good job of preparing themselves and and uh, helping us in that effort to to be encouraged, to have good works, to to glorify God. Uh, And that's, that's our desire. Uh, do you remember when you first became a Christian? Do you remember the, the excitement that you felt as you first learned the gospel and, and obeyed? And, and do you remember the feeling of those sins being forgiven? And, and the excitement overflowed and you wanted to tell everybody and you wanted to uh, do what you could for God? Do you remember that zeal that, that you once had? Uh, that maybe at different times in your life you've been a Christian for very long, has waned. And maybe it's come back, but maybe it's gone away again. How is it that we find that zeal? Isn't it a hard thing for us to keep going, to keep being zealous, to keep a fire under us? When things start to happen in life, we get easily distracted and and it takes us away from the zeal that we once had for God. That's what... I want us to talk about this morning as we look at a story from Jesus. How can we be on fire for God all the time? How can we have a zeal to worship and serve God, to love Him, to put Him as the centerpiece of our life all the time? That sounds like something that's good. That sounds like something that we want. But how can we do that? Jesus helps us understand this question as Luke records a story about Jesus in Luke chapter 7, the story that was just read to us. It all begins in Luke 7.36 with this unlikely scenario. A Pharisee asked Jesus to come to his house and eat. This is interesting because up until this point in, in the Gospel of Luke, Pharisees haven't been accepting of Jesus at all. Uh, Pharisees have rejected Jesus because Jesus has rejected them. Uh, Jesus has rejected their traditions. Uh, Jesus has rejected the way that they interact with others by hanging out with sinners. Jesus has uh, shown Himself to not care about what they think by healing on a Sabbath day, by doing good to others on the Sabbath. And the, the, the Pharisees are upset with Him and they're rejecting Him as a teacher. But here we have a Pharisee inviting Jesus into his house. This is even more interesting because Jesus accepts, right? If somebody feels that way toward us, if a group of people acts a certain way, don't we tend to just say, okay, I don't want anything to do with them. They're obviously the wrong kind of people. But Jesus says yes. Jesus goes into this Pharisee's house to eat a meal with him. I want you to picture this scene in your mind. Jesus and the Pharisee and Jesus' disciples, I'm sure, in tow, they walk into Simon's house. Simon's the man's name. There's dinner that's being cooked. His wife is busy cooking. The servants are cooking. Everything's starting to smell good. And they recline at table, the text says. Okay, We don't have recliners at our table. (laughs) And that's not what they're doing here either. 
Okay? They're laying on their side. This is the way they would commonly eat. They'd lay on their side, the table would be low to the ground, and they would eat with their right hand as they're talking. So they're there talking. Maybe the conversation is, is going along smoothly. And at the same time, you have people who are interested in Jesus start coming in. Now, they're not invited to eat, but something that's common in their day is for people to be allowed to listen in. Whenever a big-name teacher comes into town, uh, you know, the biggest-name religious guy is going to invite him over to his house, and everybody's going to want to know what that conversation is like. So people are allowed to come in, and they'd be sitting alongside the walls, and they'd be like a fly on the wall listening to the conversation, peeking in through the windows... Wouldn't you like to be one of those people who get to see all of this and and see everything that's going on? So everybody's there, they're talking, they're discussing things, and then the discussion stops. Someone walks into the room that would not have been invited to even listen in. And this lady walks over to Jesus and stands behind him, right? He's laying down, stands behind him, down at his feet. And everyone's silent. Everyone's thinking, she's not supposed to be here. Everyone's thinking, oh no, cringing. Why is she here? If they could just go back in time, they would stop her from ever entering in because she doesn't belong here. And she's there crying at Jesus' feet. And her tears drop off of her face. And they land on His feet. And she bows down and she's sobbing. Crying on Jesus' feet. And she sees the tear touch His feet. And they touch dirt. And there's a little clean spot made from the dirt. And she notices that His feet are dirty. And she's sobbing. And she's seeing the dirt mixed with her tears. And she doesn't have a rag because... She didn't bring one. She didn't realize what she was going to do. She she brought ointment with her, but she didn't have a rag with her. She lets down her hair. She's not going to ask Simon for a rag. She lets down her hair. She scrubs his feet with her hair. She kisses his feet. And she pours ointment on his feet. And that ointment fills the room. It's a fragrance of alabaster, an expensive ointment that would smell up the whole room and probably overpower the smell of dinner. She's crying and she's sobbing at the feet of Jesus as everyone watches. Imagine the embarrassment. Imagine the feeling of all those eyes coming at her as she's weeping. Jesus has this happened to him as he's reclining at Simon's table. And he looks over at Simon, and Simon's looking at the woman, and, you know, Jesus can read the mind. He, he hears what Simon is thinking. Simon is thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. Simon is a Pharisee. Pharisees don't touch sinful people. There's a separation between Pharisees and sinners. It's like touching the unclean. By touching someone who is a sinner, they feel as though it's a disease that you catch or something along those lines. So obviously, Jesus must not be a prophet. 
And we see his whole reason for inviting Jesus here is to evaluate him. And and apparently Jesus has failed the test because he's letting this disgusting woman touch him. You imagine walking the streets and, and some prostitute who you see is obviously a prostitute comes up to you and touches you. You know, you get that kind of feeling like, oh man, uh, she just touched me. What's going on? We, we don't know that this is a prostitute. But you imagine her kissing his feet. Where has that mouth been? This is the way Simon feels as he sees her doing these things. He's disgusted at this. And he feels awful about the fact that he's even invited this man into his home. What a waste of time. What a waste of resources. He can't be the prophet. And and, and Jesus sees all that's going on in Simon's mind. It hasn't been expressed, but it's probably going on in the mind of a lot of people. What is he doing? Jesus doesn't just respond with a simple rebuke. Jesus gives a parable. Parables are these beautiful things, like we saw last time, we're going to see again and again, these beautiful things that that give a point across that cannot be refuted. It's this point that makes perfect sense to everyone and they must accept as truth. And then He relates it to certain situations in order to shed light on what's really going on. He says in verse 41, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 days wages and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them loved them more? And Simon says, I suppose he for whom he canceled the larger debt. So you imagine a moneylender being owed $100,000 and $10,000 to two different people. They have $0 in their bank account. They can't pay the man. And he comes and says, give me what you owe. Very similar to what we saw last time. The moneylender wants his his, his money now. He's been patient. He's allowed for the debt to accrue, but he needs the money now. And they can't pay. And they're forgiven their debt, like we saw last time in Matthew 18. Which one loves him more? Well, I've never been forgiven of $100,000. I've never been forgiven of $10,000. I got an $8,000 tax credit one time for buying a new house, but, and that felt pretty good. But $100,000 is, is a whole lot of money, okay? That's not, a, that's not a full house that you can get today because, I mean, especially not here. But it's like half a house payment for us today. It's a lot of money, okay? 500 days wages is about $100,000. It's a lot of money. Someone who is forgiven that much has a different feeling than someone who is forgiven $10,000. $10,000 I'm excited about. But $100,000, wow. What an extreme example of forgiveness. And Jesus uses this to show the one who is forgiven more loves more. He then goes through a process. He, He turns. He's facing Simon. He turns to the woman. He turns his back on Simon. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? What a question. Did you see this woman? 
course he sees the woman. Everybody's been staring at the woman for the past three or four minutes as all this has gone on. Of course he sees the woman, but no. Do you see what she is doing? Do you see what she has done for me? No, Simon does not see that. Simon is distracted from that. He says, whenever I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet. This would have been a common courtesy in that day, okay? Someone who has been traveling, walking the roads with sandals on their feet, dirty feet, the rest of their body may be somewhat clean, but feet are dirty. It would be refreshing to wash your feet. It would be something that would commonly be done if if a respected teacher were to come into town and come to your house. You would give them water for their feet at the very least. If not, give them a servant to wash their feet. Simon, you gave me no water. You greeted me with no kiss. Another common thing that would have been done for a respected teacher, a showing of admiration, a showing of acceptance and love, was to kiss on the cheek to show that respect. You gave me no oil for my head. Another common courtesy. You've been out in the hot sun. You would receive oil to help you feel refreshed. It may have been olive oil or something cheap, but it would have been something. Simon gave them nothing. But this woman wetted his feet with her tears, washed his feet with her hair, kissed his feet... This would have been a showing of great respect towards someone. A a showing of humility, a humbleness. A desire for them to show love toward the person who's giving the kiss on the feet. She gave a costly oil, alabaster. And she didn't pour it on his head, she poured it on his feet. Showing the respect and the honor that Jesus deserves this kind of oil on his feet. Maybe something more expensive on his head. She shows great love for Jesus while Simon shows disrespect to Jesus. What's the difference between these two people? She was forgiven much. Simon, if he would be forgiven, he would think he's forgiven little. The difference is the difference in perspective of their sin and their relationship to God and their relationship to Jesus. What is this story all about? What is this message for us as we read this story about this interaction between Simon the Pharisee, a sinful woman, and Jesus? What do we learn from Simon? Simon was a man who failed to evaluate Jesus. He's brought up in the synagogues. He's a Pharisee. He's a man who was taken to the synagogues all his life, given the opportunity to go to schools to learn about God, the law. He knew the law. He taught the law. He was a man who was trying to do good, to live pure and sinlessly in his life, to be very religious and very devoted, but he failed to evaluate Jesus. He failed to see who Jesus is for him. Because he misunderstood the Messiah's purpose 
He thought the Messiah was coming to save the righteous from their suffering, but Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. He failed to recognize that He Himself is lost. And He failed to evaluate this sinful woman who came into His house thinking that she is somehow different than him, as though he has no debt and she has a great debt, and he is on a different level than she is. The bottom line is, Simon fails to evaluate his own sins. He has no zeal and love for God who has come into his home to eat with him. He misses it completely. What about the woman? What do we learn from the sinful woman? You know, nobody grows up thinking, I want to be the, the one who is despised by the whole city. I want to be the most wickedly thought of person in this whole city. Whether it's prostitution or whatever it was that she did, she didn't desire to be that way. But she understood that she was that way. She saw her sin. And she understood Jesus' message for her. That He is here to seek and save those who are lost. She felt like she was a failure at life. She understood that she was hopeless. That she was a rebel against God. But she understood Jesus is here to make it better. And she accepts God's grace toward her. And she's thankful for God's grace toward her. So she hears that Jesus is at Simon's house and she thinks, I've got to go to him. I've got to take this. This is my alabaster. This is huge for me. I've got to take this and I've got to give it to him. Because she loves what He has done and what He is here to do. She loves Him. And she shows great humility and love and zeal toward Him. But then also Jesus. Notice what we can learn about Jesus from this story. Jesus comes into the Pharisee's house. He's patient with Simon. He knows how all this is going to play out, but he he wants to give Simon a chance. He allows for himself to be evaluated and disrespected by Simon to give him a chance to understand, to hear this parable, to see this woman to, to, to try to become like He is, compassionate toward the woman. That's the way Jesus acts toward her. Compassionate. He sees her. He loves her. He wants to help her. And He provides this parable that encourages everyone in the room to be like her. To be like a sinful woman who, would, when everyone saw her, would cringe. He says, I want you to be like her. So, what's the message for us that we find in this story? How do we treat Jesus in our own lives? 
Are we those who were brought up in the church like Simon the Pharisee and, and we, we've learned the Bible and we've learned everything about what God wants us to do and we've learned about Jesus and we've invited Him into our house but we disrespect Him. We show Him no love. We show Him no admiration. We show Him no time and consideration. Is that the way we're treating Jesus? Notice this Pharisee, he grew up in the pews, but he didn't understand who Jesus is. Can we not do the same thing? We can do the exact same thing. We can come to church all our lives and take in all this information, but never be persuaded to love Him. Simon should have went to the feet of Jesus. He should have taken down his hair. He should have cried over his feet and washed them. I don't have much hair, but I would have, you know, you got to wash his feet because you understand who he is and what he's done for you, what he's doing for you. Simon should have seen it. But he mistreats Jesus. And we can do the same thing. We can think, yes, Jesus is good, just like me, and I want Him in my house. Completely miss the point. Jesus is good, unlike me. I would love for Him to come into my house. I don't deserve for Him to come into my house, but I would love for Him to come into my house. This Pharisee falls fails miserably because he, he doesn't see his own sin and fall at the feet of Jesus to worship. But look at the sinful woman. Look at how she reacts. Look at her love. Look at her passion. Look at her willingness to be exposed to ridicule, to be embarrassed by everyone. She gives up everything. She gives her all in order to serve Him. She didn't care what everyone else thought of her. She just knew Jesus is there. And I have to be with Him. I have to serve Him. I have to love Him. She couldn't stop kissing His feet. Because of the love that she felt for Jesus. Because of the forgiveness she's received. The message for us is very clear. How are we going to be zealous for God all the days of our lives? We must be like this sinful woman. We must see that our debt against God is greater than we could ever pay. That we deserve punishment, but that God sent His Son to forgive us the sin and bring us to Him. And we can show love for God and give Him our everything. And He loves us right back. In this message, we see that we don't need to be closet disciples. Disciples of God who, who act as though God, Jesus is in our home and everything is good, but we don't really live it. We don't really show the love. We don't really show the passion. We see that we need to show it. We need to take advantage of every opportunity to show our love for God. To have a zeal for God. When we start to feel dead inside, we're forgetting what God has done for us. 
We're forgetting who God is. As we learn about it in Scripture, it's not touching our hearts because we're not spending the time we need to know Him. But we can bounce back. And we can stay zealous for God all the days of our lives. We just must place our sins before our minds and remind ourselves that we are weak and sinful people, but God loves us anyway. He forgives. He gave His Son to die, to to reconcile, to have a relationship with us. And He wants it. He wants to be with us. And He wants us to give ourselves to Him. Notice in verse 50, He said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't you think that sinful woman walked out of that house rejoicing? excited about what she has found in God through Jesus. We can do the same thing when we walk out this door. We can go our way rejoicing in what God has given to us sinners who deserve nothing. We can go and we can give Him our all every single day. The choice is ours. What are you going to do? Are we going to put our trust in ourselves and our own righteousness or are we going to put our trust in God to serve Him faithfully with love and passion, with a zeal that He deserves for what He has done. It was brought up in the Lord's Supper, the reminder that God had this plan before the foundation of the earth to bring us to Him, to love Him, to put on Christ and be like Him. We can do that. If there's anybody here this morning who hasn't began your walk with God and you know what you need to do, we want to encourage you to do that this morning. If you, if you want to know and you, you need somebody to talk to, the elders and myself and Brent, whenever he comes back, we're happy to talk to you and help you in any way we can. Please, turn to God before it's too late. Please come as we stand and sing.